welcome back to Night Falls, the bedtime show of classic and original stories designed to guide you into a calm and peaceful sleep. I'm Jeffrey, and tonight let's join Juliet on her balcony on the evening she met Romeo. Let's follow her through a scene left out of Shakespeare's play as she explores the moonlit streets of Verona and gets lost in reveries of what could be. Before we begin, here's a quick word from our valued sponsors who keep this free content possible. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For the best way to fall asleep with night falls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalog of night falls classics all with a rich, immersive, and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two tabs on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you've been feeling overwhelmed with anxiety lately, try listening to a guided meditation on the Meditation for Anxiety podcast. Meditation is a proven natural way to help you calm down and dissolve stress so you can feel lighter and happier. So subscribe for free today to the Meditation for Anxiety podcast by searching for Meditation for Anxiety on your favorite podcast player. When at last the nurse blew out the candle, crept to the door and pulled it closed behind her, Juliet opened her eyes. She'd only been pretending to be asleep, keeping her eyelids pressed lightly together, careful not to let them break open, but at the same time wary not to squeeze them too tightly shut and betray herself as the nurse sang her bedtime lullabies from the wooden chair in the corner. But she couldn't sleep. Not tonight. Her heart was still a flutter, as though a flock of birds were caged within its chambers. Her eyes still full of visions from the orchard minutes before. She slipped out of bed and opened the broad double windows, the metal piping curved at the top 
and decorated with delicate casts of nightingales and skylarks. The warm night's air swept in, pulling at her hair and her nightgown. Juliet stepped out onto the balcony and looked down upon the orchard, where, but an hour ago, she had fallen in love with Romeo Montague. Wondering now if he remained there still, hidden among the trees, she searched the dim silhouettes, the vines and the olives, the slender citrus trunks from which oranges and lemons hung like pendant globes, tiny worlds forged by the hand of a tiny god and left there to dangle by a thread, just like ours. But Romeo wasn't there. He had disappeared over the high orchard walls and back to his own sweet bed until the morning when they had agreed to meet. Careful not to rouse her parents or alert any of the household staff that she had left her bed, she climbed over the edge of her balcony and dropped gently onto the soft, cool grass below. She stole her way across the orchard, touching the rough bark of the trees, inhaling the familiar scents of juniper and cherries, and wood smoke lingering in the air, drifting in from some other part of the city. She reached the wall and skirted along it, and then, withdrawing a large metal key from the deep pocket of her nightgown, unlocked an arched wooden door in the orchard wall and slipped into the street beyond. Juliet loved Verona at night. In the day the city was all a bustle with traders and merchants, with clergymen and clerics rushing to and fro, schoolmasters throwing up their hands in despair over the incessant truancy of their unwilling students. In the daytime, with the sun beating down and the noises of the city resounding from the burnt orange walls, she couldn't think. But at night, when the only sounds to be heard were of crickets in their nooks, the wind serenading the trees and the barely audible breath of kind spirits whispering from the netherworld, then her mind could settle. Then she could think. And, more than ever tonight, what Juliet needed was to think. She walked up the main street until she reached a crossroads, where she took a smaller alleyway that led slightly uphill through the city. The alley was cool, and there was little chance of anyone appearing there at this time of night, asking her what she was doing. So now Juliet slowed her pace, allowing herself to enjoy the silvery moonlight on her skin, feel the cold stones beneath her bare feet. She also allowed her mind to wander backwards into the orchard where Romeo had clasped her hand in his and kissed her fingers. His face swam slowly back into view, the dark eyes, the dark flop of hair, the urgency, the wonder. How did you get in? 
she had asked him. The orchard walls are high and hard to climb. He had told her, sincerely and without so much as a blink of his eyes, that he had flown over the walls on love's light wings. His words had passed through her ears and directly into the deep well of her heart. They were ringing in her ears now, just as the bells of the basilica rang and summoned the townsfolk to Mass. Romeo had wanted to swear himself to her then and there, to seal their love with a betrothal, but she had stopped him. She had pressed a fingertip like a cork to his lips to stop the words from spilling from them. She had asked him to wait, to slow down. She was more cautious than him, that much she could tell already, though they had known each other but an hour. In that brief time, she had felt love illuminate her mind like the sun appearing after twenty long years from behind a cloud's dark veil. But she wanted to be careful. She did not want to risk any action that might be rash or unadvised. She had no intention of their love flashing like a burst of lightning over before you had time even to say it had begun. She had told him to wait and asked him to send word in the morning where she could meet him at nine o'clock and there confirm their betrothal. Juliet reached the end of the alley, padded across another street and up a small cobbled lane where all the city's dressmakers were housed. A black cat slunk out of the shadows and stretched, then darted down the street. She was heading to the Basilica of San Zeno, her favourite place in all of Verona, especially at night when the square would be empty and she could sit on the wide basilica steps and let her soul be at peace. She wasn't far off now. Passing the dressmaker windows, she glimpsed drapes of fabrics wrapped around mannequins, soft swathes of muslin, shimmering gossamer, the iridescence of velvet in the moonlight. At the party this evening she had worn a dress of cut silk, four silver panels of gleaming fabric stitched around her body, a coronet of moonstones in her hair. The very image of the hunter goddess Diana walking in the woods, the seamstress had told her. All you need is a bow and a quiver full of arrows, She recalled standing in the gallery above the ballroom, her arm linked through her cousin's, and looking down to lay eyes, for the first time, on Romeo, stepping lightly across the mosaic floor. Her parents, of course, would not be pleased. They would not be glad of her betrothal to a Montague, a family with whom hers nursed a long-standing tension. 
besides, they had already picked out a man for her to marry. The Count Paris, he was handsome enough and exceedingly wealthy, an undeniably good match politically, and sure, Juliet conceded to offer her a life of contentment. The wedding was all planned. It would take place a few weeks from now, in a chapel decked out in lilies of the valley, and she would be there with lilies threaded through her hair. The guests had all been invited from principalities far and wide. But there was a problem. A problem from which Juliet could not hide. Paris was not Romeo. How could she marry Paris now that she had met Romeo? Now that she had felt the touch of true love? Compared to every other man in the world, Juliet thought, Romeo was matchless. Could she choose him? Could she live her life for herself? Could she marry for love, even if it meant going against her parents' wishes? She had reached the piazza. She stopped walking, paused for a moment to take it in. The small buildings flanking the square, all the windows dark. The sky, a star-encrusted blanket above them. And there, before her, in the centre of the piazza, the Basilica of San Zeno. As far as Juliet was concerned, it was the most beautiful building in all of Verona. The creamy stone, the grand bell tower, the arcade of small arches running from the lintel of the door. And above the door, a magnificent rose window, its glass panels displayed in the shape of a circle with several spokes. When she was a little girl, her tutor had told her that a famous sculptor had designed and built the window to resemble the Wheel of Fortune, which the gods spin to decide the fate of humans on the earth below. For a minute, Juliet looked up at the window, wondering what her own fate might be. Then she crossed the square and sat on the steps. As expected, the piazza was empty. All the townsfolk had long since gone to bed. There were a few trees, myrtles and poplars, their leaves bristling despite the still air. Up above her, the moon hung like a lemon in the sky, pale yellow and silent. It looked as though it were painted on a black canvas, utterly motionless, although she knew that in reality the heavens above her were all moving, that everything in life, from the ants crawling between the cracked marble at her feet to the planets and bright luminaries up above, shifted and changed. Nothing stayed as it was for long. But for now, 
the moon's motionlessness only reminded her how slowly time could move, how much more of the night there was to endure. Oh, why could it not go quicker? She would not be meeting Romeo until the hour of nine, a few hours hence, but to her, the time between then and now felt like the space of twenty years. She wished that the moon could drop more quickly through the firmament. She wished that the sun god could snap his reins and make the fiery-footed steeds that pulled the solar chariot gallop apace, speed through the sky, bringing the morning rushing on, bearing with it Romeo, Romeo, Romeo. Oh, Romeo, she thought. Wherefore art thou Romeo? Why was it that he had been born a Montague and she a Capulet? It was as though they had been placed on either side of a river, separated by the currents of a family feud. And yet, Juliet allowed her mind to entertain the possibility then, as she crossed one leg over the other, and looked up at the starry sky. Perhaps her betrothal to Romeo, the wedding of one branch of the Montague tree with a branch of the Capulets, could create peace and unity between their families, lay old grudges to bed, and usher in a new age of amity and goodwill betwixt the two households. Yes, Juliet thought, giving a little nod. Wasn't that what love was supposed to do? Produce love and yet more love until it spread like sunlight across the whole wide world. Wasn't that what she and Romeo could do? Bring the Montagues and Capulets together until they stood like one proud olive tree its silvered branches spreading across the whole city of Verona. Or was this simply a dream, begot of nothing but fantasy and as thin as the air? Could she hope for such a thing? A sound came from above, a low trilling of bird song, and looking up, she watched as a bird alighted from the roof of a nearby house and glided through the air to land just an arm's length away from where she sat. Hello, Juliet murmured, and the bird hopped on its foot. The bird was small and plain, with brown feathers and a white chest, its eyes small and beady, but then it opened its little beak, and the sound came again, a lilting, low song that seemed to flow around Juliet's heart and settle her. It was a nightingale, the guardian of the hours between dusk and dawn. Its song could be heard in the evenings all over the city, like a lullaby, letting the townsfolk know that it was time for bed. What are you doing here, little one? Juliet asked. 
For a moment, the nightingale regarded her. Then, with a small ruffle of its feathers, it hopped onto her hand, which had been resting on the cool marble step. The bird was so light of foot, she could barely feel its weight in her hand, only the light grip of its feet around her fingers. She raised her hand into the air and held the bird before her face. She felt, she was sure, that it was trying to tell her something. And as she thought this, the nightingale began to sing once more. For a minute or two, though to Juliet it could have been hours, days, a lifetime, the world could have moved around her thousands of times unseen. The nightingale sang, and she listened. And as she listened, she felt a quiet peace moving through her, a settling of all the thoughts that had led her from her bed and balcony up to the steps of the basilica. No longer did she want the night's hours to pass quickly. No longer did she yearn for the morning. Time would pass as time passed. She would not hurry it or wish it away. She would enjoy, for now, the song of the nightingale. And when daybreak came and the next day arrived, she would enjoy the pleasures it brought. All she thought in the fullness of time. When the nightingale stopped singing, all was still. Juliet felt her breath stirring her chest. She heard the leaves of the trees, and she felt a profound calmness settle over her body. Then the nightingale spread its wings and took off from her hand, and Juliet watched as it soared upwards through the air and took its perch in the basilica's great rose window, right in the heart of the Wheel of Fortune. And she knew then that all would be well, that fortune would look kindly upon her and light her way to happiness. For the first time that evening, Juliet felt tired. She stifled a yawn with her hand and shifted her limbs on the steps which had now grown uncomfortable. She stood up. She looked out across the tumble of terracotta-tiled roofs and, in the distance, saw the dark sky just beginning to lighten. It must be close to dawn then. She felt the gentle calling of bed. She had to rest. Tomorrow was almost here. She passed back across the piazza and ducked into the shadows of the alleyway. She wove past the dressmakers again, past the seamstresses' lodgings, past the assortment of shops and studios, 
which in the morning would open their doors and begin a new day's trade. She passed the black cat, which was curled up on the windowsill of a townhouse. It raised its head as she went by, watching her, then lowered its chin back down to its paws and slept. When she reached the high walls of her parents' orchard, she pressed herself against the stone and took the key from her pocket. She slipped it into the lock, turned it clockwise, and heard a little click. She pushed open the door and stepped into the orchard. Inside, the trees seemed to welcome her home. She walked between them, touching their rough bark as she passed by and brushing their leaves. She pulled a plump orange from a branch, which she would eat with her breakfast in the morning, before departing to meet Romeo. Beneath her balcony, she placed a foot on the firm branch of a grapevine that climbed the wall. She placed her other foot a little higher, and then the other a little higher yet, and soon enough, she was stepping over the stone lip of the balcony. Her door was open. She slipped inside quietly. She turned and for a few moments stood watching the oncoming dawn. The sky, which had been ink black only minutes before, was now swirling with mauves and dark pinks and distant vague promises of orange. She rubbed her eyes sleepily and, with a sigh of pleasure, remembered the feeling she had experienced listening to the nightingale sing. She was glad that she had gone to the basilica tonight, for now she knew that all would be well. Tomorrow she would meet Romeo and join him in love and her parents too would rejoice and kiss her cheeks and kiss his too. Paris would find another wife, she and Romeo would marry, and Verona would be bathed in the soft light of peace, their lives stretching out happily far into the future. Juliet closed the door to the balcony, drew the pale curtains over them and turned to her bed. She pulled back the sheets and climbed in, twisting over until she found a comfortable position. Sleep was falling upon her now. She could feel it moving through her limbs, making her muscles heavy pressing her eyelids closed. Her heart beat slowly. The birds inside had settled, folding their wings and bowing their heads. In the morning, she thought, they would spread their wings and soar straight into Romeo's arms. 
She turned over so that the soft light now coming through the windows landed on her eyelids. From somewhere across the city she could hear the skylark singing. She felt utterly at peace, as though she were drifting on a quiet river, bearing her gently downstream. Her mind was washed clear, and as dawn touched the tops of the roofs, lighting the fair city of Verona, Juliet fell asleep and dreamt only of sweet things, of nightingales and rose windows, of turning wheels, and of tomorrow, and of the day after tomorrow, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, and each day after that, and the love and happiness that was waiting for her there.